0: Oh, so good to be here. Happy New, Happy New Year. Well, in Matthew 6 8, Jesus said, For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Your Father knows. So let's think for a minute what you need right now. What do you need right now that God knows about? Author Jacob Crouch said, God knows my situation perfectly, perfectly. God knows every single detail with perfect clarity. God knows its beginning and its ending. He knows how long it will last even more. He knows how long it should last. He knows how it will affect me, and he knows how it will affect those around me. God knows what I need with perfect wisdom. God knows how to give me what I truly need. God knows what outcome will bring me the most good simultaneously with giving him the most glory. God knows what will actually help in every situation. What else does God know? Well, God knows the future with as much clarity as he knows the present. God knows my grandchildren. He knows their grandchildren. They're not even born yet. He knows the impact of every decision into eternity. God is not bound by time in his understanding or his answering. He is perfect in wisdom. And if God knows all this, says the author, what an encouragement to pray. So with all that marvelous truth, ladies, wouldn't you think we'd all have dynamic prayer lives? But sadly, that's not always the case. And one pastor wrote, prayer is arguably the most underutilized and anemic part of the Christian life for most Christians. And this is a tragedy considering that God has called us to a life of prayer that is promised to be one of the most significant and powerful opportunities for deepening intimacy with God and maximizing our usefulness in the world for Christ. Deepening my intimacy with God, maximizing my usefulness in the world for Christ, I want that. And I know you want that, too. I know you do. So when it comes to our prayer lives, let's consider those three safety measures we talked about in our last time together. And let's take a, a minute um, to ask ourselves these questions. Now you have to fill in the blanks on the outline. Number one is, am I aware, am I even aware of how much or little I pray during any given day? Number two safety measure is, do I slow down my busy schedule in order to set aside time each day for focused prayer? Do I slow down? And thirdly is, do I respond? Do I respond appropriately to situations as they arise by taking them to God in prayer first and foremost? Be aware, slow down, respond Well, in only a little over an hour, (laughs) we are not going to be able to take a deep dive into the vast, and it is vast, ocean of prayer, but at least let's take a quick dip into the pool, okay? So I want you to think of each topic that I bring up as a, a springboard, a diving board, okay? And I've placed them all around our pool. And as I bring up a subject, you may think, well, I know about this, and I've been doing this for a long time. Well, in that case, just move on past. But you may come to a diving board, and you might think, ooh, um, I'm kind of rusty at this, or this is kind of new to me. Well... I need to explore this a little bit more. So in that case, just put a little star by that part on your notes. And when we leave each other today, you can take that deep dive on your own, okay? But before we even get in, we must be sure we're all standing around the same swimming pool, so to speak. So let's start with just answering the basic question, what is prayer? What is prayer? Well, we could say... Prayer is first and foremost an expression of an intimate relationship with God. It's an expression of an intimate relationship with God. I found so many really good definitions of what prayer is, but here's how John MacArthur defines it. He says, Prayer is the means by which we express all that is in our hearts to our loving and wise Heavenly Father, Prayer is not to give God information, right? Because God knows everything. Prayer brings us into reverent communication with God, worshiping him and acknowledging him as the giver of all good things. And Alistair Begg says, My prayers, whether I pray, how much I pray, what I pray about, reveal my priorities. And they reveal how much I think I need God or whether I am, in fact, deep down self-assured or self-righteous. Now, listen carefully, ladies, to this next part. A self-assured person, they're not going to pray. They're not going to pray prayers of petition because there's no need to pray if you think You've got it all covered, and a self-righteous person is not going to pray prayers of confession, because there's no need to pray if you think you're good enough to earn God's blessings, right? But a person who knows their heart before God and knows the depth of their need for forgiveness and help from God, they do what Paul does in Ephesians three fourteen. They bow their knees before the Father. So friends, we could say prayer is an admission and an expression of dependence, couldn't we? An admission and expression of dependence. So all right, that's the definition. Let's take our dive into or plunge into the pool of prayer. And let's start with why we should pray. Bible commenter, Commentator Warren Wiersbe says, it's easier to have a religion of habit than a religion of heart. So you have Mm -hmm. to think, habit or heart? Mm -hmm. Have you examined your motives lately? Okay, if you don't remember anything else this morning, here's the takeaway. The point is not we must pray. That's not the point, but that we may pray. Okay. We don't just have to pray. We actually get to pray. We pray because prayer is a privilege. And that's number one on the bottom here of first page. We pray because prayer is a privilege. See, sometimes we forget what an unbelievably amazing privilege prayer actually is. Oh, I'm sorry. Your Yours is a little different than mine. So we are on page two, top of page two. We pray because prayer is a privilege. Psalm 3415 says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. Think of it. As followers of Jesus... We have access to the creator of the universe. He's watching his children and he's eager to hear their prayers, ladies. What a privilege. Let's not take that for granted. Proverbs fifteen eight says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his, do you know what it says? delight. It's his delight. God delights to hear our prayers. It's God's will that we, his children, ask him for things. What a privilege. We get to pray. There came a time in King David's life when he realized how much prayer is a privilege. Let's turn to First Chronicles 29. First Chronicles 29, at the end of his life, after having commissioned his son, Solomon, to reign after him, David called upon the people to contribute their riches toward the building of the temple. You may remember, they responded with overwhelming generosity. But when the time came to present the offering to the Lord, you know who was overwhelmed? It was David. He was overwhelmed but not with the magnitude of the gifts, but of God's greatness and of his smallness and of really the insignificance of those gifts. Although those gifts were huge, there was a lot given. Let's read um, 1 Chronicles 29, starting at verse 10. And I'm reading from NASB. It says, So David blessed the Lord in the sight of all the assembly, And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. You rule over all. And in your hand is power and might. And it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. Now, therefore, oh God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. But who am I? And, and who are we? My people. Who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, right? All things come from you. and And from your hand we've given you (laughs) who am i right what marvelous truth see i don't have to pray instead i get to pray to the powerful and mighty maker and ruler of heaven and earth but hold on hold on we actually we can't leave it there because that would only be a half truth yeah we do we not only do get to pray but we actually do have to pray Okay, and there's the other side of the coin. We must be women who pray. Point number two on your outline. We pray because, write down, prayer is commanded. Prayer is commanded. See, wouldn't we be wise to ponder this great thought? Who are we that we may come into God's courts? Yet... The wonder of prayer is that God actually requests the audience. Okay, he takes the initiative, and he invites us in. So let's turn to Hebrews 4.16. Hebrews 4:16 says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Some other versions say come boldly. See, there are two reasons why we are able to come boldly into his courts. Well, not only into his courts, but directly right up to the very throne of grace. First of all, God has issued the invitation. And secondly, because Jesus is our great high priest. He's our great high priest. I'm not sure who said this, but it's so true. And I love it. There's no refuge from God, but there is refuge in God. And I love that. Ponder this amazing gift. We have ladies, God, the living Lord, sovereign ruler, of all creation, invites us, us, you and me, into his presence. What a wonder. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, I want grace to help in time of need. How can I get it? What right do I have to speak to God? Well, there's only one answer. My only right to speak to God is that Christ has borne my punishment and has reconciled me to God and has made peace, has made me at peace with God. Wow. Okay, number three, we pray because prayer glorifies God. Prayer glorifies God. You have listed there Psalm 50, 50, 15. I'll read it for you. It says, call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you and you will honor me. Did you see it? God answers our call for help so that we get the rescue and he gets the honor. He gets the glory. The next verse I have written down is John 14:13, and again I'll read it to you. Jesus says, "Whatever you ask in my name that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the son." So when we pray, we should keep in mind that we ask for things so that the Father may be glorified in Jesus. That's why we ask for things. Okay? Number four on your outline. We pray because Jesus expects us to pray. Jesus expects us to pray. And here are some expert excerpts from the words, from Jesus' words, to show that he expects us to pray. I'll read them real quick. There's many. Here we go. Matthew 6 5, Jesus says, When you pray. 6 6, but when you pray. 6 7, and when you pray. 6 9, this then is how you should pray. Luke 11 9, so I say to you, ask, seek, knock. And Luke 18, 1, now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. You get the idea? Jesus expects us to pray. We ought to pray, we should pray, and we should continue praying. Even when an answer seems slow in coming. Don't lose heart. Okay, number five. We pray to be part of what he wants to accomplish on earth. We pray to be part of what he wants to accomplish on earth. Someone said, for a persistent prayer pleases our God, and it's often the means by which he works his will. I love that. Think of it. God who needs nothing, who owns everything, who controls the entire universe. Okay, that God uses our prayers to advance his cause and further his plans. Amazing. Amazing. We get to pray. We get to. Not so things go our way, but so things go his way, which is to glorify himself and care for his people and meet their needs. And when we have this kind of mindset, first and foremost, our prayers will naturally tend to be off of ourselves and onto God as we pray to be part of what he wants to accomplish on the earth. So how should we pray? How should we pray? Well, a few years ago, I was able to see a video And uh, it showed a portion of an underwater Navy SEAL training exercise, which is considered by many military experts to be the toughest training in the world. And since we're already in the swimming pool, okay, let's put on our snorkels or our masks, our scuba gear, I mean, and let's dive down to the bottom of the pool and take part in a training exercise, shall we? So, I want to picture, I want you to picture yourself as the Navy SEAL trainee. Okay? You've got your scuba gear on, and you're at the bottom of the pool, and you are charged with the task of assembling a very complicated piece of equipment. And you're being timed. Okay? That's a lot of pressure, right? You're making really good progress when all of a sudden, your trainer comes behind you, you don't even see him, and he kinks up your breathing hose very badly, okay? Everything in you is screaming to get to that surface and get some air. But you know, if you do, you'll fail the test. So just watching this, my palms were sweating. (laughs) It was pretty intense. But that seal resisted the urge to go to the surface he just calmly calmly unkinked the hose and then he did what he was trained to do once he could breathe he just kept on assembling that piece of equipment and he completed the mission all in the allotted time you know he did this so well Well, because he practiced, right, over and over and over and over until it just became automatic, even under extreme physical and psychological pressure. And we have the same thing. We've got two responses, we do, that should be automatic, even under extreme physical and psychological pressure. And here they are. Um, we're going to look at two verses: Colossians four two and First Thessalonians five seventeen. And we're going to start with First Thessalonians five seventeen. It's a real easy prayer, a real easy verse to memorize. Here it goes: Pray continually. Did you get it? Okay. That's our first automatic response. Another translation says, "Pray without ceasing." So since prayer we already talked about it it's a reflection of our unbroken relationship with our heavenly father so praying without ceasing it just means we never stop conversing with god we simply have frequent interruptions right it's kind of like well when you have your earbuds in okay and you're on a phone call with someone you love You still walk around the house while you're talking. You still fold laundry and unload the dishwasher. And you still check for mail while you're talking. But sometimes do you need to concentrate on something else, right? So you stop talking for a while. But you never hang up the phone. Your Bluetooth is always connected. Well, RC Sproul has a wonderful... A phrase he likes to use. You've probably heard it. He didn't make it up, but he explains it. It's called Corum Deo. It means, it's a Latin phrase, it means before the face of God. And that's our mindset. Sproul says, we live in such a way that whatever we're doing and wherever we're doing it, we're acting under the gaze of God. He says, to live all of life Corum Deo is to live a life of that finds its unity and coherency in the majesty of God. Unity and coherency. Think of those words. They're the direct opposite of living a life of disunity. I try to think of everything opposite. Okay, disunity, disharmony, inconsistency, confusion, conflict, contradiction, chaos, right? So instead of fragmenting our day, so that we only set aside time right here in this part of the day for prayer. What do we do? We live all of life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and to the glory of God. And I'll say that again. Live all of life in the presence of God, under the authority of God, and to the glory of God. Coram Deo. Well, next on our list is be thankful. Be thankful. So if we keep reading 1st Thessalonians 5, we did 17, now we'll do 18. Says in everything give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, all of us have experienced times, haven't we, where we're seeking God's will in something, God's will in this, God's will in that. Well, let's remind ourselves the wonderful fact there are some things we don't have to wonder about, right? We don't have to struggle to know. We know it's God's will for us to pray. It's God's will for us to be thankful. Those are our automatic responses. We need to be sure that prayer and thanksgiving are automatic, just like that Navy SEAL when he went through his maneuvers, he had to practice and he had to rehearse these maneuvers so that when a stressful situation arose, he knew what to do. So immediately we should be thinking, I've just got to pray and be thankful right now. Just pray. I hope you're doing it right now. Thank you, Lord. Pray and be thankful. Colossians four two talks about that. Let's turn there next. Colossians 4.2. And that says, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. See, thanking God, it should always be part of what we do in prayer. Sproul says, Just like those ten lepers who had been healed by Jesus and only one returned to thank him, remember in Luke 17, we too can take God's blessings for granted. How easy it is For us to ask the Lord for ten things in prayer, receive nine of them, and then dwell on the one thing that God said no to. We do not remember the myriads of ways that God has blessed us, but instead focus on what we have not received. Thanking God for his specific blessings assists us in remembering his goodness and mercy, and helps us not to take them for granted. Remember our safety measures we talked about? The third one, respond appropriately. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Now we know responding appropriately means our two things. Pray always, right? And be thankful. So next is be devoted, be devoted, looking again at Colossians 4 to devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So friends, that means too little time, too little responsibilities, too many kids, too much work, too little desire, too little experience, etc. It does not exempt us from the expectation to pray. See, God expects every Christian to be devoted to prayer without exception. So I've listed some of the places that be devoted to prayer or persevere in or continue in occur in the New Testament in relation to prayer. And you can look up these later on your own, Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 6, Romans 12, Ephesians 6, so here's our takeaway. Prayer is not to be infrequent. It's not to be hit or miss. What does that mean? It means you get to pray and you have to pray, right? Often and regularly. Okay, finally, we need to be alert. Be alert. We must each shepherd our heart in such a way that we are alert in prayer. Keeping alert means you work against distractions and hindrances. You do what you have to do to stay at task and stay awake. <laughs> so how do we practice being thankful, praying continually, being devoted, and being alert? Okay, well, let's fill in the blank. How should we pray? We should pray with our Bibles open. With our Bibles open. And I mean this both figuratively and literally okay so either your bible is open on your lap or it's open in your mind as you dwell on it because ladies scripture reading and prayer go together they're intertwined you don't want to separate the two okay you inhale the word and you exhale prayer have you ever just tried to inhale air or just exhale air. Okay. You can't do it, right? You have to do them both. It's a rhythm. This is our life. So what's the starting point? God's word, right? God's word. John Guest says, if in our mind, praying simply means us talking to God, we're missing the most important part of prayer. God is more, yes, more than willing to listen to us, but he wants to speak to us as well. And we know, or we should know, the way God speaks to us is through his word, right? That's why we always start with discipline one, and that's why we must pray so that we're ready to hear from God in his word. And that's why we had that homework where we looked at that sample prayer and we were supposed to write down as many reasons as we could as to why we come prayerfully before God with our Bible open, and I hope that was encouraging to you and beneficial. And I know you probably came up with a wonderful list, but for today, we're just going to come up with six points on your outline. As we come to the Word of God, we pray that we, number one, grow in the holiness of, I'm sorry, grow in the knowledge of God. So fill in the blank knowledge of God. Now, part of that prayer says, I have your word open before me because you have revealed yourself there more clearly than any other place. And I long to know you better. Ladies, you may remember that huge part from last lesson of the way that you shepherd your heart throughout the day. It depends on the most important thing, and that is what you believe about God. It all starts there because whatever you believe about God, that's what you're going to believe about everything else. So we've got to start with that knowledge of God. And then number two, we come to the word of God in order to grow in worship of God, grow in worship of God, See, remember, what were we created for? Well, we were created to be worshipers. But because we're in that mixed condition, who are we going to tend to worship? Ourselves. We're going to tend to worship ourselves and our own selfish desires. We're going to fight that until we see him face to face. And that's why spending time in the word with God will help us to put the focus right where it belongs, which is on God and off of ourselves. Part of the prayer says you are worthy to be worshiped and I desire to see more of you in your word. I desire my heart and my mind to be full of you because of what these pages reveal to me about you and all your greatness. Love that. The third thing is to grow in fear and awe of God. Grow in fear and awe of God. Part of the prayer says, Your word tells me that as God you are set apart from your creation in holiness. You are high above all things and sovereign in your reign over all things in my life. You are worthy to be worshipped, and I desire to see more of you in your word. So let's be careful here. Let's just take a little break and be careful that we don't become so accustomed to the fact that we're invited into God's presence, that we don't stop to also remember we've got to come reverently and we've got to come worshipfully, okay? Spurgeon says we may speak boldly with god but still he's in heaven and we're upon the earth and we need to avoid presumption so just watch that let's remember okay fourthly grow in understanding my need of god grow in understanding my need of god in the prayer it says nearness to you through these pages of scripture is my good and it also says there are treasures in the gospel of Jesus that I have yet to discover in my own life. And I long to find them and be nourished by them. Okay. Fifthly, fifthly, we're going to grow in holiness of life and obedience to God. Okay. Grow in holiness of life and obedience to God. Part of the prayer says we need to study what righteousness and holiness of life looks like for one who has been made into a new creature in Christ. If I do not study this righteousness and holiness of life and what the blessings of obedience are, I should not expect my desire for obedience to grow. Of course, we all know we have an enemy, don't we? Who is very happy when we don't obey and that's why we have to be in the word and that's why we should be in the habit of memorizing god's word psalm one nineteen eleven says your word i have treasured in my heart that i may not sin against you okay we've got one more point six grow in reflecting the gospel grow in reflecting the gospel Part of the prayer says, I long for you to spill out of me into my home and wherever you lead me today. All who come into contact with me today must interact with one whose heart has drawn near to you and is striving to obey you. I'm going to read the last sentence of the prayer and I want you to notice the word gospel twice in that sentence. Here it goes. "Their best hope for salvation or for growth in the gospel comes from one who has searched for you in your word and gazed upon your son in the gospel and all who walk by this by your spirit so now let's think about our wellspring purpose to equip and encourage the women of grace bible church to shepherd their hearts toward jesus christ with the word of god so that they can live gospel transformed lives right thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose right c.j. mahaney in the cross-centered life says effective prayer is saturated in the gospel ultimately all effective prayer is rooted in the cross think about it the gospel is the starting point of prayer without christ's blood you couldn't even approach God. Only in Jesus's righteousness are we invited to enter into his presence. There's no mantra we can learn, no catchphrase we can recite that will move God's hand. We appeal to him based on the person and work of his son. So, ladies, if we want to be students in the school of prayer, and I know we do, we must remember we never graduate from the school of the gospel. Never. Think about discipline one. You shepherd your heart toward God through the word of God, and in particular, what? The gospel, right. And then think about discipline three. You step into the church in every part of life to shepherd others toward God and the gospel. Right. We remind ourselves of what Jerry Bridges wrote. He said, when we pray to God for his blessing, he does not examine our performance to see if we are worthy. Thank him. Rather, he looks to see if we are trusting in the merit of his son as our only hope and security for blessing trusting the merit of jesus ladies that's the gospel what about during and after meeting with god in his word see we've already learned that bible reading and prayer go together it's good to pray before you read it's good to pray while you read and hopefully You pray after you read, but you should resist praying. Resist praying. Did I just say that? Yes. Until you linger over what you just read. Okay. Have that self-control. You meditate and you linger over God's word. Spurgeon said, Oh, to be bathed, in the text of scripture and let it be sucked up into your very soul until it saturates your heart. This makes me think of, of marinating meat. I hope that's not Mm -hmm. funny, but that's what it made me think of. If you marinate meat, you know, instead of just sprinkling the spices on top, you know, um, you're going to have a piece of meat that is very, very flavorful. Well, I do have a recipe For brisket, and it's so easy and so delicious, here's what I do. I buy a bottle of Claude's Brisket Marinade, and I put the brisket in a huge Ziploc bag, and I dump the whole bottle in, zip the bag, and stick it in the fridge for 10 hours or overnight. And then I wrap the brisket in foil and put it in the oven for a long time, like 10 hours, on low heat, and voila! I, and I hate cooking, so this is like great for me. This is, everybody loves this brisket marinade recipe. It's savory and it's wonderful. But you know what? It's not my recipe. I got it from a friend. The Puritans have a recipe for prayer. I call it marinating. They call it meditating. It's the same idea. Only, it's not their idea. It's God's. And if you look about for that word, meditating, it's all over scripture. But here's the bottom line. Just as my brisket is moist and tender and full of flavor because it's been marinating for hours and then sitting in the oven for all that time, my prayers can be more meaningful and richer all day long. If I've been meditating on scripture and praying over what I've been meditating on see for the Christian meditating means have the word of God dwell okay dwell stay there live there in you richly Colossians three sixteen. see it's actively feeding your minds on the word of God it's having self control not to scramble but to sit there just for a minute try it if you haven't already sit and think about what you've been reading before you start talking to god you marinate okay the kind of meditation we've been talking about is shaped by scripture and is reliant on the holy spirit well the puritans can teach us so much especially about prayer and marinating meditation. <laughs> here, British writer Peter Toon, he is mo- a modern writer and he summarizes the Puritan's teaching on these things. And I have his quote here on the middle of page four and you can read that later. But do you remember when I said meditation was not the Puritan's idea? I said it was God's. Meditating on God's word is all over the bible and there are so many passages to choose from but i chose four and i wrote them down so that you could highlight or circle or underline okay the word meditation so let's start at psalm one one through three it says how blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners nor seat sit in the seat of scoffers But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does, he prospers. Did you see it, ladies? God promises success if we meditate on his word. Let's notice how meditation and obedience go together, okay? As we plant the word of God deeply in us. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, it, uh, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. It's helpful for me to think about this like, like a chain, okay? When I read scripture, and then I meditate on it, and then I pray about what I've been meditating on, asking God not just to increase my knowledge of him, but also to change me from the inside out, to be made more like his son. You know, I am better equipped to obey and to fight sin during the day, and that, in my opinion, is a very successful day. Let's look at Psalm 1914. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The Puritan, Matthew Henry, said, David's prayers were not his words only, but his meditations. As meditation is the best part of prayer So prayer is the best issue of meditation. Meditation and prayer go together. One more, okay? Psalm 104, 34. Let my meditation be pleasing to him. As for me, I shall be glad in the Lord. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Psalm 104, but the psalmist just spent 33 verses marveling and glorifying and meditating about all that God made and how God cares for the world. And now, in verse 44, he prays that all that meditating is pleasing to the Lord. And then he flips it around and he says, you know what? I'm really pleased in the Lord because I've been meditating on him. So it just is a wonderful thing to do. Now, you have a quote from Whitney um, in his book, Spiritual Disciplines. It's an oldie but a goodie, and I've been reading it again, and I'd recommend it. Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And he says, Meditation is the missing link between Bible intake and prayer. The two are often disjointed when they should be united. We read the Bible, close it, and then try to shift gears into prayer but many times it seems as if the gears between the two won't actually mesh. In fact, after some forward progress in our time in the word, shifting into prayer sometimes is like moving backward or into neutral. Instead, there should be a smooth, almost unnoticeable transition between scripture input and prayer output so that we move closer to God in those moments This happens when there is a link of meditation in between. So what's the bottom line? Here it is. Bible intake and prayer, they go together. Let's talk about the Bible for a moment. Turn to Hebrews 4, a verse you're very familiar with, 12 and 13. Have you ever heard someone so excited to tell you about an amazing experience they just had? You know, they just can't contain themselves. They say, well, we went here and we did this and we saw this and we heard that and we remember this and we can't forget that. And, 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 and. Well, the writer of the Hebrews, he does this when he tells us about God's word. Listen. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division between joints between of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart, and there is no creature hidden from him, but all things are laid open, all things are open and laid bare uh, to, sorry, and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And, 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 and. Friends, as we read... And then we marinate on what we just read. Something happens. The word of God starts penetrating. And it does its work. How deep? How deep does it do its work? Look at what it says. It pierces deep down to the very core of our being, our joints and marrow, judging our thoughts and intentions of our heart. Just for a minute, stop and think about joints. Look at your hands and... You open and close your fingers and you roll your wrists around. You, you don't typically think about your joints, do you? until they right they hurt. Mm-hmm. They start giving you trouble like arthritis, arthritic joints. I've seen them. They become so painful and so disfiguring that you can't move the way you want to move. Well, the Word of God penetrates into the joints quote of our inner man that deep recesses of our will and our desires that instruct us how we're going to move and how we're going to function the way God wants us to so that's worth meditating on don't you think asking God that our thoughts and our desires and our words and our actions they're conformed to his son we know that pleases him well let's think about Meryl for a minute well we know where it is deep down inside your hard bones. Oh, it's a wonderful life-giving substance, your bone marrow. Healthy bone marrow releases blood cells into your system, into your bloodstream, only after they are mature and only when they're required. Without bone marrow, our bodies could not produce the white blood cells we need to fight infection, probably doing that right now, the red blood cells we need to carry oxygen, and the platelets we need to stop bleeding. Healthy bone marrow is a really big deal in the Hantla family because at age, 18 months of age, my grandson, David, started looking very pale and very weak and he had bruises all over his body and we discovered the culprit. It was leukemia, acute lymphoblastic leukemia. His bone marrow was not healthy. I just want to cry just thinking about that. It was a very traumatic time in our lives. His bone marrow released an excessive amount of abnormal white blood cells, which did not do their job. They were immature. There were way too many of them, and they reeked havoc on his entire little body and every treatment and there were many that were tried worked for a little while and then he'd relapse and he kept doing this until eventually in 2020 he received a bone marrow transplant you know ladies marrow is so deep inside us it's hidden and you normally don't probably even think about it yeah, you know what? You can't survive without it. Without it being healthy, that is. And functioning properly. And that's where the word of God penetrates. Not to your physical bone marrow, of course. But right into the center of your very being. Your inner man. Where your belief system is. And your values and your desires and your motives and your affections. That's where they lie and they're formed. That's where it does, it's investigating, and it's probing, and it's work. And it must do this deep inside us, ladies, because, you know, we're capable capable of being very sincere, but also very sincerely wrong. You know, we can tend to be vulnerable as women, especially when it comes to things with the label Christian on them. Think about the women in Timothy's time. Paul warned Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 about men who looked really good on the outside. They held to a form of godliness. Ooh, they looked good. But what did they do? They crept into households, and they captivated weak women. These women, ladies, were spiritual, but they were spiritual weaklings. Okay, So they accepted the teaching of these false men. So why wouldn't we want to pray, pray, pray as we are ingesting the word of God? Piper says, God has given you his good news, his promises, his word to protect you. Thank you, God. It protects you from the deep deception of sin that tries to harden your heart and lure it away from God and lead it to destruction. Because the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, it will penetrate deeper than any deception of sin has ever gone and will reveal what is truly valuable. And that, wow, is what truly is worth trusting and loving. And ladies, these valuable things, they're things we must meditate on, okay? we got to think about them deeply, and we've got to speak to God about them in prayer. And that's part of the way we guard our hearts, which is our verse, Proverbs 4.23. We guard our hearts with the word of God that we've just ingested and digested. Our, our prayers flow from Scripture, and they're informed by Scripture. And that's the next point in our outline, praying Scripture. I think we're on page five um i've lost my place hopefully you know where you are <laughs> praying scripture first john 5 14 says this is the confidence that we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us okay so since the word of god reveals god and his will What better way or what better thing to pray for than more of God and more of his will, right? See, we can know that we're praying in accordance with the will of God. How how do you know? How do you know we are praying in accordance with the will of God? Well, when you pray his word back to him. D.A. Carson says using scripture to inform our prayers helps us to pray what is true. When we pray scripture, our prayers are focused, and that helps us do two things, ladies. First, it keeps us from praying, quote-unquote, shallow prayers, you know, like, bless them, or be with them. You know, God already says he's going to be with us, right? So why pray for that? Alistair Begg, in his very good book called Pray Big, says, Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, Matthew twenty-eight twenty. He promised he'd be with Tom and Mary. So it's a bit of a waste to make the sum total of my prayer for them, a request that Jesus already said he'd do and has already started doing. So secondly, when we pray, our prayers are focused and they help us to avoid mental drift. Okay, we're going to pick on two ladies, and I want you to meet them. The first one I call Mental Drift Meredith, okay? And the second I call Wellspring Wendy, okay? Well, they both desire to love and obey God. And they both love to pray, and they're both on the same reading plan, okay? And they've both finished reading Philippians chapter 1. So go ahead, join the ladies, turn there if you'd like, to Philippians chapter 1, and let's eavesdrop on their prayers. Well, mental drift Mary reads, or Meredith, sorry, reads her passage, closes her Bible, bows her head, and she says... Lord, thank you for this day. Please help me with everything I have to do today. Oh, I should call and make an appointment for to have the oil changed in the car. Oh, um, I pray you bless my day today. Oh, I have to start planning for the small group potluck. Oh, um, bless my small group, and Lord, be with Matilda and Henry as their baby is about to be born soon. Oh boy, Matilda sure looked big and uncomfortable. I wonder when that baby's gonna be born. Oh, I should sign up for helping hands and bring a meal. Oh, and God, I pray you are with the cans today as they are all the way in PNG. Oh, I wonder how their house building is going. Ooh, look at my house. I should vacuum today. Um oh, oh, and and please bless my husband at work. Amen. Okay. We've all been there, right? Now let's hear from Wellspring Wendy. Well, Spring Wendy, when she finishes reading, she keeps her Bible open, okay? She goes back to what she read. She doesn't have to meditate on the whole four chapters, but she picks part of it. So after a few minutes of soaking in these verses, she's ready to pray. So here's a tiny bit of what her prayer sounds like. Let's look at verse one, or chapter 1, verse 2, Philippians. She reads, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. She says, Father, I thank you that I can know peace with you because you showed me grace. I am no longer at enmity with you because Christ sacrificed himself in my place. Thank you for rescuing me. Next, she goes to Philippians 1, verse 6, which says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. She prays, Father, I know I didn't start the work. I know I didn't start the work within me, and I'm not going to finish it. You will complete what you started. Oh, I'm so grateful I can't do this life on my own because it keeps me humble and dependent on you. Thank you that you're helping me. As I go about my day-to-day, help me use what I read in your word to shape and conform my desires I want to become more fully mature in you, Lord. And I desire to glorify you in all aspects of my life. Moving on to verse 9. And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment. She prays, love, knowledge, and discernment. That's what I want, Lord. I pray I would have genuine, full, and intimate knowledge of you as I read about you in your word. And as I know more and more about you, I pray that my love for you will flourish. I know my love for you and for others will be anchored deeply in the truth of Scripture. And, Father, I want to be regulated by that. I want my love for you and my family and others to be self-giving love, which will reflect my Savior. Okay, you get the idea, right? The big difference between these two? Wellspring Wendy. She brought the fruits of her Bible reading into her prayer life. She meditated on a portion of what she just read, and then she guarded her prayers with the word of God, knowing that only the word of God can pierce her heart. Thomas Watson says the prayer that is most likely to pierce heaven first pierces your own heart. When asked how he prays, John Piper said he prays in concentric circles. Okay, first, he starts with himself, and then he moves on to his family, then he expands to the church, and then to the world. So we can use the same principle with using the disciplines. So now we're on prayer and the disciplines. And let's fill in the blank. Let's start with the faithful woman of God shepherds her prayers. Shepherds her prayers. Worshipfully toward God through the word of God, and in particular, the gospel. Did you see that word worshipfully? That's where we are to start, with worship. And we ask him then to reveal any unconfessed sin in our lives, and we confess and repent. So that's the first concentric circle that John Piper was talking about. An example from the Valley of Vision, which is a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions, goes like this. Help me to hate and forsake every false way, to be attentive to my condition and my character, to bridle my tongue, to keep my heart with all diligence, to watch and pray against temptation, to mortify sin, and be concerned for the salvation of others. Next, look at discipline two. The faithful woman of God is concerned for those in her home and fill in the blank and prays for them. Prays for them with her heart fixed on God and his word. Ladies, our prayer life is a vital way which we can minister to those in our home. Okay, voice of Mart, the voice of um, Valley of Visions, sorry, Valley of Visions says this. And I love this. Oh God, I cannot endure to see the destruction of my kindred. See, we're praying for their salvation. The prayer goes on. Let those that are united to me in tender ties, that's your family, be precious in thy sight and devoted to thy glory. Sanctify and prosper my domestic devotion. That's my home, my instruction, my discipline, my example, that my house may be a nursery for heaven. Have you ever prayed that? That your house is a nursery for heaven? What about considering discipline three? The faithful woman of God prays for the church. Prays for the church that each member and regular attender may be shepherded toward God in the gospel. See, our prayer life certainly is a fundamental part of the way we can minister to each other. So let's pray for each other and pray for the men in Build and pray for the other women in Wellspring. Well, we have a wonderful tool called the Prayer Booklet. I'm only going to talk about it briefly, but I would like you to take it home and look at it on your own. It's a tool. J.I. Packer says, there's no recipe for prayer that can work for us like a handyman's do-it-yourself manual. So, ladies, having a system for prayer, it takes trial and error until you find out what's right for you. Because what works for me doesn't maybe work for you. But Packer says we have to learn to pray by praying. And this Wellspring prayer book, it's just a wonderful equipping tool that you may enjoy using if you're new to Wellspring or dust it off and use it again. Okay, They have lots of things in there besides just prayers and prayer life so you've got uh, a recap of some previous wellspring lessons in there you've got what repentance is like you've got um, preparing for temptation Um, you're going to see a sample prayer on pages six and seven and then on pages eight and nine you're going to see scripture for a prayerful approach to God in his word you're going to see other ways to come before God in his word One suggestion is that you read and pray through the gospel primer or that you look through the prayers of the Valley of Vision. And then maybe you need a format. Maybe you just are convicted that you're not praying for everyone you would like to pray for. Well, there is a system. It's a two-week system that always starts with the same format, praising God, battling sin, etc. But then every day you've got a different focus, like Sundays, you're going to pray for your small group and other ministries, okay? Like Mondays, it's evangelism, school, work. Tuesdays, it's government affairs, persecuted believers around the world. Wednesdays, you're praying for worldwide gospel ministry. Thursdays, various needs. Fridays, your extended family. And Saturday, your elders. So there's so much equipping and encouraging in this book. Um, and I, I just can't go through it with you. But I do want to um, call your attention to the fourth paragraph on if you if you have it in front of you on page 15. If not, just listen. It says, "However you use it, the aim is to help you increasingly incorporate the truth of God's word in how you approach God in prayer, in both attitude and words." After using these pages to aid your personal prayer life for a while, you're going to find yourself incorporating truths from your own time in God's word. You're not going to need this tool very, very much longer, but it gets you started. Okay. The bottom line is the verse that we've been talking about Colossians four 2. devote yourselves in prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of Thanksgiving. That's why that prayer booklet is great for me to use from time to time because it's a tool just to help me keep alert in my prayers. And it gives me a format. But remember, it's just a tool. So don't let yourself become a slave, okay, to this method or any other method. Let's not get so caught up in the mechanics of how we're praying that we miss the point, okay? What's the point? Remember, it's to meet with God and to cultivate an intimate relationship with him. Well, let's end by talking about praying together. The first thing I want to mention is get yourself a prayer partner. If you need a little bit of boost in your prayer life, I really strongly urge you to find a prayer partner and pray with her. Find someone to pray with or form a group with a number of ladies for a period of time. And that can be so beneficial. Okay, are you a student? Grab some other students. Are you a mom of teenagers? Grab some other moms. Are you a homeschooling mom? Grab some other homeschooling moms. Are you caring for elderly parents? That's tough. Grab some, someone else who's gone through that already. I get together with a prayer group um, of dear ladies from Grace Bible, and we meet once a month and we pray for our prodigal kids. And it's so helpful. Okay, secondly, be committed and be faithful. Okay, so when you say you're going to pray for someone, please actually do it. Okay, come up with a system if you don't already have one of how you're going to remember to pray for that person. Have you ever noticed that sometimes we're more ready to talk about praying for others than actually doing it? You know, how many times have we told someone, I'm going to pray for you, and then we see them in a week and we go, oh, no. Okay, so what are we going to do? Josh Kelso says, be as ready to actually pray as you are to express the sentiment of prayer. Okay, why not just ask her, can we take a minute to pray right now? Well, what do you pray for? Well, keep in mind, you don't always want to pray for relief from the trial. Okay? But you want your friend to grow through the trial. Think about the end. Um, we pray about that, the end, let's just get through this. And we forget to pray about what God wants to do in the process. Okay? So we've got to pray for her for endurance and steadfastness. And the Apostle Paul has wonderful examples of prayer. Um, just write down Colossians 1, 9 through 12, and you can look at that on your own. Colossians 1, 9 through 12, just as an example. It's, it's such a huge, huge prayer. He prays that they would make the right decision, the best decision, in every way, all the time. Okay, he Paul prays that they would bring um that their decision would bring god glory and it would be give the most spiritual good to that believer well well we have swum all around the school of prayer uh it's almost time to get out but we have just one more and we're just going to keep you a few more minutes one more diving board to get by if this helps you great if not just move right on past um But let's say this, because this has really helped me. Let's say you're talking around the coffee table with another lady, a dear woman, and your discussion leads to an opportunity to pray. Music has started. People are already going in. And you go, oh, we only have like a minute. What are you going to pray for? If you're like me, your mind starts racing. What verse? What, What was that verse I meditated on? Oh, no, I can't remember. Or... I am so sad and burdened right now. My mind is numb. I don't even know what I'm supposed to say. Or, I want to pray, but where do I begin? Or, I want to pray, but I only have a minute. And, I want to pray, but I tend to ramble in my prayers, and then they have to listen, and I don't want to be like that. So, first of all, ladies, we need to ask ourselves this question. Do you believe that your prayers have to be beautiful, have to be perfect in order to be effective? Listen to these prayers. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, help me. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Each one of these prayers were effective prayers, weren't they? Not because of the eloquence of the person praying, but because Each one saw their need. A tool I developed, I have to help myself, and I'm not good at remembering things, so I came up with this tool. I hesitated to share it, but it's been so helpful, I'm going to share it. I call it the One Minute Prayer, and all I do is I think of the acronym PRAY, P-R-A-Y. Here's how it works. Well, it really helps my mind get focused. I just pray for four things. One that starts with P, one that starts with R, one that starts with A, one that starts with Y. And each one corresponds with a biblical concept or a verse. And it's been real fun for me to develop this. And I just have a whole long list. So I'm going to give you a few things real fast. Ready? P, pers- persevere. Hebrews 3, 12, and 13. I pray she'd hold fast to what she believes and persevere through the situation the Lord has put herself in has put her in present I pray she present herself as an instrument of righteousness to God Hebrews 6 13 patiently I pray she'd wait patiently just like Habakkuk that my friend had to has to play has to just wait patiently for God to answer her prayers in his way in his time I pray she would please him Colossians 110 please him in all respects and i also pray that she dwell on god's promises that she'd remember her position in christ that she'd have protection from evil she'd preach the gospel to herself she'd praise him in the hard things and i also pray that she would pray okay our refuge rock redeemer those are some really great ones psalm 1830 he's a shield to those who take refuge in him psalm 46 1 god is our refuge our strength, our very present help in trouble. Rock comes a lot in the Psalms, right? God is my rock. How about rejoice? I pray she'd rejoice, rejoice in all things. How about run her race? Hebrews 12, one through three. How about riches? I pray she'd know the riches of his glorious inheritance or reverent, that she'd be reverent in her behavior or renewing her mind, that she'd bring her mind to the word. I do pray for rescue. I pray for rest also. A few more words I use are relinquish, all rights, repent, respond rightly, remain under, and remember. What about A? A word often used in the Bible that I found is acknowledge. So I pray she would acknowledge his rule over her life. I Or acknowledge him in all your ways. Proverbs 3.5 How about approach? pray she'd approach the throne of grace often alert i pray she would keep alert in prayer i also ask that she would be alert to the schemes of the devil acceptable i pray that everything she thinks about would be acceptable to god in his sight and that is from psalm 19 the word abound is found many times in scripture always abounding in the good work or abound in hope or abound in love all cast all her anxiety on him, or above all gods, that she would praise him above all gods, or according, that she would keep herself according to the word. Finally, why? Well, a word I I use a lot is yield, that she would yield to God's timetable, trusting him. Not my will, but yours, Lord, Luke 22. You alone, in peace I lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. How about yearn? Psalm 42, one is the deer pants for water. So my soul pants for you or yearn for salvation or your word or Yahweh. So a real quick example is that if I'm praying for an unbeliever, your friend just poured out her heart to you about her unbelieving son. So instead of saying, I'll pray for you, which I should, I pray really quickly using the words Repentance, acknowledge, and yield. I say, Father, I thank you. You are omnipotent and omniscient. Always start with thanks. You know exactly what's in his heart, so and so's heart. I lift him up to you today and pray that his conscience would be pricked. Bring him to repentance and cause him to acknowledge that you are king. Cause him to yield to your right to rule and reign in his life. I pray. Amen. For friends struggling with illness, I say, using the words promise, remember, rehearse, attitude, alert, and yearn, I say, Lord, I thank you, you are mighty, and that nothing is too hard for you. I pray you would heal my friend. I pray she dwell on your promises that you will never leave her or forsake her. I ask that she remember and rehearse gospel truth to herself, and she be alert with an attitude of thanksgiving, even in her most trying times and then finally father i pray she'd yearn and pant for you alone somebody asks if they can pray for me instead of going uh i say yeah pray i would pray first and foremost pray i would rehearse the gospel and repent quickly from sin pray i would adorn the gospel and not yield my will to my savior first and then my husband second see how that works you can have fun coming up with your own way but remember it's not that's just a way it's just helpful remember you get to pray and remember you must pray okay let's go to prayer and then off we go to our groups oh lord what a what a swim we've had around the pool of prayer and we've only just splat just touched the surface thank you for giving us prayer thank you that we can be women who do come boldly before your throne, because we have a great high priest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I pray for these ladies now as they digest all that was said, my prayers that they'd pray without ceasing and be thankful. And as they open their word tomorrow, they would have the self-control to just meditate on what your word says, and then pray those words to you. Thank you, God. I pray in Jesus name. Amen.